Off the Ball Daily. A home for your favourite podcasts from Off the Ball. You see yourself as the clubster. Grumpy, <laughs> <laughs> a man apart. Yeah, it's 11 in a row for you, much like it's 7 in a row for Cluxton. Subscribe to the Off the Ball Daily podcast feed right now. The Women's World Cup Show on Off the Ball with Sure Non-Stop Protection Deodorant, official sponsor of the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023. You are very welcome along to the World Cup Show as we get into the last 16 this weekend. Already at this stage, two times champions Germany, one of the pre-tournament favourites in Brazil and the Olympic champions in Canada all crashing out in the group stages. It has made for some very interesting stories though, including first-time finalists Morocco and Portugal both reaching the round of 16. Delighted to say we've got the Journal.ie, Sinead O'Carroll and Molly McElwee from The Telegraph with us. How are we getting on? Hi, Good, thanks for having me. (laughs) Sinead, if I can start with you. I mean, we kind of looked at the overall picture of the World Cup on last night's show and we're thinking... On the one hand, maybe it would have been entertaining to see Germany versus France or some of the other potential uh, matchups that could have happened here in the last 16. But there has been a certain magic about the last round of the group stages to see some of these unfancy teams come through. Yeah, the World Cup is always about a bit of the unknown. And, you know, tournament football does bring up these, I think, uh, like, was it the Morocco uh, coach said, moments of magic. Um, And you do want a bit of storytelling, um, especially now that Ireland are out. We particularly want um, some story to keep people interested. And it is interesting that we do have a couple of those, like, Irish narratives to pull threads on as well, like Colin Bell being involved in uh, Korea Republic, um, and obviously our Columbia pre-match, pre-tournament friendly with Columbia has, I think, given people a bit more of an uh, interest in, in what they're going to do in the last 16. So, yeah, like, yes, we do like to see the best teams face off against each other. And I don't think, you know, one-off games in the last round of a tournament m- means that Morocco are better than the people who have gone out, for instance. But um, it, it does, it brings in an extra bit of, I think, particularly in Ireland, I think for a lot of people, it'll be the first every time they've watched the Women's World Cup um, because like Molly were a good few years behind uh, in terms of interest uh, here so uh, I think it is good to have those stories to bring people along mm. Molly, Germany became the story because of failing to get out of the group stages despite scoring six goals in the first game despite looking like they were going to be a quality team throughout the tournament this is a side who played England in a European Championships final, given their pedigree in the tournament, always getting to a quarterfinal at the very least up until this point. A massive shock not to have the Germans in the knockout stages. Yeah, I mean, huge. Uh, I, I don't think I'd be alone in saying I think I'm pretty sure I tipped them to to win it from the start. So uh, a lot of red-faced journalists, I think. Um, but yeah, it's 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 remarkable, really, that they they've gone out. Even watching them against uh, Korea Republic yesterday, it it, it was strange. It, it it seemed like they didn't have that kind of fighting spirit, that edge, that um that clinical kind of nature that I think people kind of associate with Germany because of how consistently they do well at, at these major tournaments. Um, but yeah, like you say, there, there's some there's some incredible stories that have come out come about as a result i guess or of 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 a team like germany going out one of the i think highlights of the group stages was watching that colombia win over germany it was um yeah quite quite remarkable so um yeah very strange to go into a knockout stage of a tournament without germany in it 
Mm. I think that's the other interesting thing. Like, I think the makeup of the rest of the world versus Europe is still um, kind of the same. It's just different, different countries. But Molly, going into it, I think a lot of the talk was about whether America had kind of fallen behind Europe, you know, or Europe had caught up with America. But now it looks like there's lots of countries who have kind of caught up and the gap is closing in lots of different ways. Um, so instead of it being about European style versus the North American style. Now we have shades of everybody coming through, um, which is really interesting. And um, as well as that, it's so much talk about the money and so much talk about who's supported well. Um, but when it gets to tournament football, some of that just goes out the window. Like, look at Jamaica, like who have been giving out all year about the preparation has been so subpar. You know, they've had to rely on crowdfunding and and no support at all from their federation. But yet they're in the the group the last uh, group of 16 so yeah there's just some of it's a bit mind-boggling to be honest <laughs> yeah totally agree i i think i think on on the point of jamaica as well like watching watching their celebrations i mean i think there's been a lot of joy in this world cup obviously not for the germans but watching some of the celebrations some of the results for teams like you say who haven't been getting the right support haven't been kind of been able to to rely upon um the kind of benefits that a team like England for example get um it, it is quite it's just kind of heartwarming and also I think it it, it could prove to be a, an even kind of bigger story as we look ahead to the future of women's football and how um yeah the the impact of having three African nations in into the last 16 for the first time for example um if if um if their, their kind of home nations start to support them in the way that they they deserve. It, it, we could see kind of women's football really shift uh, in a way we haven't before, I guess, um, after this tournament. And I do think uh, it puts uh, the FAI on notice, Will, because mm. uh, we've been kind of talking about how far we were behind. You know, we haven't even tried to catch up to the likes of England, the US. You know, we've been talking, you know, the, the tier be below that. But if... African nations and South American nations start to care and they have that groundswell of support from the, their populations and the federations have to follow. That means we're we're going to fall very far behind very quickly. So I, th I do think it puts the FAI on notice that actually that support needs to be very strong, very consistent and across the board from grassroots right up to elite um, because otherwise we'll just be left completely in the dust. Does it kind of revise our opinion on what happened to Ireland at the tournament when we see, say, what Jamaica have achieved, where they go in a group with France and Brazil, who would have been expected to comfortably qualify. Jamaica managed to get out in second place, managed to hold Brazil to that stalemate at the end, to have teams like Morocco and Portugal competing so well. Does that change maybe our opinion of how Ireland competed or do we have to reflect on how difficult Ireland's group was? I think you can look at it either way because Nigeria did get through from our group and Canada are out. So you could say that we're, we have fallen victim to the rankings being a, a little bit off. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it's hard. It's hard to know where we fit into that narrative, I think, um, in terms of the, of, of where in the group, I think we just had a really hard group. <laughs> I think, I think yeah. that, that's what Nigeria has shown. Like, you know, Canada didn't become a terrible team. They played badly in like the first half against us and against Australia, but they're not a terrible team. They're not a terrible side. Um, Nigeria are just very good. And I think the other thing to note as well is the teams that have got through have in the main something that we don't have. Like the teams that got through from the tougher groups is a striker. And so I think it it highlights that for us is like as much as we are a 
you know, greater than some of our parts and we have excellent like world class players in in certain positions we don't have a striker and you know Jamaica have Bunny Shaw <laughs> so it's it's kind of apples and oranges I think yeah I think Molly as well speed and being clinical has been key maybe I'm sure we'll touch on Japan now in a few moments about how clinical they are on the counter attack but those teams who got through as Sinead has mentioned generally having a striker who can put away those chances has been the difference in some of these very closely fought games yeah, definitely. I think that's been a really interesting part of this tournament because I think in the build-up, people were talking about, oh, 32 teams, will we, will we have kind of huge scorelines? And yeah, we had a couple, I guess. We saw Germany beat Morocco 6-0. We've seen, yeah, England beat China 6-1. But but on the most part, things have been tight. And and that's why we've had so many kind of shock results in 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 some kind of teams that people didn't expect a lot from going through to to the to the knockouts and like you say they've come from having kind of a game changer someone like Linda Caicedo for 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 Colombia being able to kind of bring those moments of magic and 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 really deliver um under pressure and um and with everything kind of on on the line um so yeah, I think that that having uh, having a striker, having someone who can take kind of um, can kind of carry a team in a lot of senses has been so important. And we've also seen some, frankly, there's been a lot of defending that has been pretty questionable this tournament too. So it's about kind of, do you have a striker that has good instincts that can kind of um, take advantage of those situations? Um, I think Germany definitely um, suffered on that point. I think that the their defending was below their usual standards and and yeah they got caught out by by some brilliant um some brilliant goals um so yeah it, it's been an interesting part of the narrative like you say I was very surprised today, particularly about Germany's defending, when you consider how many of these players have been playing regularly alongside each other, not just at international level, but also with Wolfsburg in recent seasons. I kind of thought they were going to be one of the teams that would be so well gelled. But a few times yesterday, they tried to play the offside trap, played it really, really poorly, and were playing right into the opposition's hands. Yeah, I think just absolutely... Like when you were watching that game yesterday, even towards the end, you kind of thought, oh, it'll come right for Germany, because it kind of has to, because everything eventually things will come right for them and it just never did and sometimes that just happens in tournaments and it's a bit inexplicable like you like you've just given all the reasons why it shouldn't have happened mm-hmm. um but you're you're in a, a tournament setup and and it just does um and then on the other side there's teams where we were expecting um kind of poor performances like Molly with England like I think you know, it was a quiet start, but it's really built. And because you have someone who's announced themselves in Lauren James, that, you know, that can just be the difference. Like, so everything, it doesn't really matter as much as if everything isn't tight and gelled, if you have someone who's able to perform at that level. And even though Pop has has done well, it's everything around her wasn't tight enough. Yeah, on that on that point, actually, um, on on the Lauren James point, which I guess we were going to get to, but I think um, I think you're so right because we if if we looked at England in the build up to this tournament, um, yeah, everyone was just thinking like, where are the goals going to come from? And obviously, last year at the Euros, everything was about Beth Mead and how much she delivered and how consistent she was, and um, and 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 also just the way that that, that England kind of looked very smooth going forward and very confident going forward had like an experienced kind of head in um in in Ellen White as well whereas this this tournament everyone's kind of questioning like can Alessia Russo step into that frame and um and yeah it, it was 
ironic, I guess, that it had to, everything gelled for them once they lost Kira Walsh, their best player. Um, but Lauren James has stepped into that fray and the change of formation has just helped them attack in a way that we haven't seen in the last few months and and kind of put away goals in a way that we haven't seen in the last few months. And I think a lot of people were worried they wouldn't be able to do at all this tournament. Yeah, that, and now, sorry, Schneid, one. I was just going to say, and now that'll scare teams as well, because when you have someone on form like that, that isn't as known, um, and it just looks like she can get the ball and score from anywhere. <laughs> um, and even though people were like, oh, we're better defenders and we're better on the ball, I think it still will put a little bit of fear in people. I think definitely... I. England were very much not on anyone's cards in terms of winning this tournament once people saw the injury list. But I think that has completely changed now, um, especially with all the different shocks that have happened and that we've seen weaknesses in every team. We haven't seen a team that look particularly like someone to fear. Um, so I think all of these games, people, I think most teams now who are on that in that upper echelon will think that they can win this World Cup. Hmm. Mm. Uh, uh, the only the only team I guess that I would say we haven't seen a lot of weakness from is Japan, which um, which is kind of a refreshing and it's almost like kind of a throwback, um, obviously to, to to when they they did dominate on the world stage, um, two thousand eleven. Um, yeah, the, I'd say that they're the only team that I've watched and thought, okay, I don't see how. They're just so well organized. I don't see how anyone is going to kind of break them down um, at the moment. So, yeah. Sinead, what's your assessment of Japan been? Because I watched the game against Spain during the week. And at one point, that deadly stat comes up, which was they had four touches inside the box and four goals. And Spain seemed to play into their hands somewhat because Japan were happy enough to be compact and then use their pace on the counterattack. But we talk about teams being clinical. I haven't seen a more clinical team at the tournament than Japan so far. Yeah, the other stat is that with 23% possession, they scored four goals. So like between those two things, that is phenomenal. I guess a lot of people will hopefully will look at that with a bit of hope and think, OK, well, if we have that much possession, we can do more with it and might might look at Spain and go, OK, yeah, they got big results in their first two games, but maybe like they aren't as strong as we think because they are missing all those players because they had their own uh, troubles going into it. So, um, but I think, yeah, that'll be the hope and that'll probably be the the places that coaches will be looking at. Um, but yeah, the the precision and the speed um, and just how well coached they are is phenomenal. Uh, and yeah, I think it'll be something that, again, like new viewers of the game in, in Ireland will be looking at in in kind of in awe and, and incredibly impressive being like why can't we get those coaches in <laughs> it's a tricky path molly that japan have in front of them if teams kick to the level that you'd expect them to do but norway who they face in wellington at the weekend haven't been impressive so far despite the stars they have sprinkled across their team and the attacking power that they should have the issue may well be if they get past norway sweden or the united states in a quarter final is a is a tricky next step for them yeah, it's strange in that their, their kind of reward for, for, for beating Spain in the way that they did kind of annihilating Spain was getting arguably a trickier path to the to to through the tournament. But I think like you say, I I'd see them getting past Norway on, on the basis of their performances so both teams' performances so far. And then like you say, the next round a potential Sweden or USA meeting is yeah, very difficult. But if we're going to talk about USA and 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 how they've kind of underdelivered at this tournament so far, it, you could argue that there's no better time to 
to play them then when they seem to be kind of scrambling around for for answers and for some sort of form um i think that match against sweden which is is it on sunday uh usa sweden sunday morning that i think that's going to be the the match everyone's going to have their eyes on in this um last 16 because the usa obviously have proven time and again how they are consistent they can deliver their their kind of champions and complete competitors but um but yeah, you just wonder where it's going to come from because um, that the, they've got no momentum going into this uh, these knockout stages. Sometimes, Sinead, when it comes to a team and a point in a tournament where it turns around, you look back and you say the width of a post kept the USA in this World Cup and maybe they kick on from here. Mm. But the signs so far haven't been good, have they? No, and they are under a lot of pressure. And I wonder if that is starting to tell a little bit more, like they had a lot of really strong personalities in previous iterations of the team. And um, this team is, you know, a, a different mix of experience in youth. So that that might uh, be coming into play a little bit. Now, I would never, I think most people will never bet against them fully because it could just click and some of that experience that they do have, some of it on the bench or just some of it in the squad and like in muscle memory will could kick in at any stage. And they do have Sophia Smith. And, you know, if like what we keep saying, if the if that star player does emerge at, at some stage, um, I wouldn't be surprised to to see them continue and maybe go on a run. Um, but yeah, it's it's. It's one of those things because of the America, like the US versus Europe debate that has been raging. It, it it's um it does make the Germany going out even more interesting. It's like oh well, no one is playing <laughs> playing to their best, whereas we were kind of thinking we'd see everyone at their best and kind of see which which style is actually on top. Uh, my sister keeps telling me we need a, a a club World Cup in the women's football so we can actually decide <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, which which uh, continent is is on the up and which is on the, on the on the reverse. Look, if Gianni Infantino can fit more games into the calendar, <laughs> I think it's possible. <laughs> uh, Molly, when we look at their opponents, the USA, when they go up against the Sweden team, Irish eyes are very aware of Sweden from the qualifying campaign, but just the one goal conceded in the group stages, scored nine, eased through with three wins from three. Maybe you put some of that down to the quality of the teams that were in their group, but Sweden have looked decent so far. Yeah, they have done. And uh, I mean, yeah, we can talk about the quality of the, the 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 other teams in their group, but everyone was expecting a bit more from Italy, for example, who have uh, a lot of players on that team who who play at club level together and everyone was expecting to kind of gel. Um, and they, they kind of thrashed them 5-0 without really having to do anything to impressive uh i don't know if that's unfair to say but i i, I didn't see sweden weren't playing like a team that were winning 5-0 in my mind when i was watching that match in particular um i think it it, it could come down to kind of um whether sweden are intimidated it will be intimidated by the idea of playing against uh, the us in a knockout uh, at the world cup i think that could come into it obviously the pressure is all on the usa but when when the USA are, are kind of coming into the, this with kind of no momentum, people talking about how they're playing absolutely rubbish, they might kind of come alive. You, you, yeah, you never know. I think Sweden um, have to hope that they're not they're not going to be the the kind of the, the team that the United States kind of wake up um, suddenly and decide to play against. Um, I think it's hard, like like Sinead said, I, I wouldn't bet against the USA ever. But um, but yeah, Sweden are, are a very solid side and it would be 
it, it's going to be a tough a tough game and hopefully a really tight and exciting game and one that um we'll remember go go going forward I, I really have high hopes for that match Looking down at the bottom half of the draw, and we've kind of touched on England a little bit already, already Sinead, and the injury worries they had coming in and you know, how many players are missing from the European Championship campaign. And then you take that injury to Kira Walsh, who was carrying such good form in from the club season with Barcelona as well. And when her knee goes out, you're kind of thinking, right, this could be a very, very difficult task from, from here. But from what we've seen from England so far, how do you rank their chances from here? Yeah, like I said earlier, I think the Lauren James announcing herself and looking like she really belongs and enjoying it. I think that's such a big part of being at a World Cup if someone's really relishing it. I think we saw that with the English team in the Euros. Like that was, I think, a huge part of how they were got the momentum and were able to get over the line. Um, so yeah, they they've kind of gone from someone that I had kind of discounted because of the level of injuries and that like the couple of retirements and the the lack of blend that I thought was there. And now when you look at the draw, you do see a path. Um, but in saying that, I have tipped Australia from the start. And even though they've had dodgy moments in the group stages, I still have them as a little bit of a dark horse in my mind at that side of the draw. Does that require Sam Kerr coming back in? I know the kind of talk from the Australia camp was, we'll manage this calf injury. We've just after coming through the group stages without her. But I presume if Australia are going to take teams out in the knockout stages, they need Sam Kerr back in the pitch. They do, but I think you can, and I think this is how they're looking at it as well, is it's a bit of a, they can probably take it as a bit of a positive, like would people like Rasso have stood up as much um, as as she has if Sam Kerr was there? Have they figured out how to play without Sam Kerr, get the results they needed? Obviously they had, they didn't have, they get every result they needed, but they got out of the group, they, they, they topped the group, so... I think part of them will think, okay, we managed and now we have the bonus of Sam Kerr coming back in when she's ready and when she's fit. Um, I think they'll they'll get over Denmark and then figure it out from there. And I think they will take it as a positive and I think it might be a positive because people now will have to look at the Australian team and analyse the Australian team without Sam Kerr and then try and put Sam Kerr back into it when they're planning to play them in the knockout stages. And I think that could be a real bonus for them along with being at home. Um, now it's kind of a fool's errand like making predictions for a cup like they could lose 4-0 and I could look so silly <laughs> but um, the, you know sometimes when you back someone from the start you kind of build a narrative around that but I do think it could be a little bit of a positive and I, I think there have been a couple of good performances um, from some of their players that we might not have seen if because they they are like they are Sam Kerr's team um, so yeah it, it's they, they still for me have a bit of intrigue and and I'm kind of looking forward to watching them with and then when Sam without Kasam and then when she comes back as well. I think I think that point as well. It, it kind of uh, reminds me also of England because everyone was talking about kind of how predictable maybe England had become and how everyone had kind of figured England out. And then you lose Kira Walsh. It, yeah, people were thinking, okay, England are going out here, but now no one really knows how to approach kind of a, a, an England team without Kira Walsh. Serena Wiegmann had so much kind of surprise <laughs> to, to to kind of offer in 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 their last match of the group stages against China, and obviously it worked out really well. Um, and and I wonder if if similarly they might have even somehow will have even more of an edge in that they've had to kind of rethink everything and. Uh, um, it's almost kind of like they've got nothing to lose anymore, which I think we saw with Australia when they beat um, Canada and the way that they did um, to get through to the knockouts when a lot of people were really writing them off. Um, so yeah, it's it's interesting how losing a player can sometimes 
cause a, a, a almost kind of give a give a team a bit of a jolt to kind of rethink how to how they do things. I think Molly, when the draw was made for the group stages and everyone was filling in their potential route to the final, England would have probably taken a game in Brisbane next week against Nigeria to potentially play against Colombia or Jamaica in a quarter final. It's not the worst path to have to get into the last four of the competition here. No, I mean it, it, it's absolutely mad. I think <laughs> um, everyone kind of had to rip up all plans for for kind of whatever they were planning on writing about going uh, around England, going into to, to the knockouts. It's 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 ideal, I guess. It's 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 almost like the best case scenario they could have hoped for, and that's not kind of doing a disservice to these teams. It's just based on based on rankings alone. But what we have seen is teams like Nigeria um, can really up their level and also just deliver on the world stage. We saw how they they beat Australia in that extremely dramatic match, took their chances. And um and and I think I think the pressure is gonna be on on England now to 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 kind of yeah, they're, they're, they're no longer the underdogs that people have expectations about them now and to to, to to beat Nigeria, it's not going to be easier, easy. And then if they get through to that next round, Colombia and Jamaica have so much kind of, they, they've just got so much momentum behind them and so much kind of joy behind them. They're just enjoying themselves on this stage. And um, that brings a freedom that I wonder whether um, England will be kind of stifled by. Um, that. That's only kind of the, the mental side of things on the pitch and, and in the tactics. We'll see if England can also... Um, can 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 keep keep up um their their kind of good work um since the china game and see if 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 lauren james will, will continue to kind of play in the way that she has because she obviously was so key to to the kind of creative creative kind of um edge that that england had in that game so yeah i mean i i'm i'm, I'm kind of going back and forth on things and uh yeah i i'm i'm very afraid to make any predictions at this stage because yeah we've we've seen so many kind of fall by the way in this tournament i think it's understandable trepidation about england coming into this now you got to see nigeria in the flesh with the ireland game uh, last week do you give nigeria a chance against england Definitely, definitely. I think, I think, um, I think people have been underestimating a lot of teams in this tournament. Like everyone's been guilty of it. And but Nigeria, a team with 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 amazing kind of pedigree going back, that they've they've always been the leading kind of African nation in women's football. Um, and they they won't go into that match kind of afraid that they're, they're going to go into it thinking that they have every chance of beating England and and I mean w- one amazing result for for England doesn't mean that kind of the 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 issues that they had going into this tournament might not creep up again and um and definitely I I definitely think Nigeria could win this match and 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 England have to be at their best to to to, to get through. Sinead, are they English nerves speaking at the moment or do you give Nigeria hope? <laughs> Oh, no, I do give Nigeria hope. I think even if you listen to Vera Pau uh, talking about Nigeria and now talking about the results, like she said last night, that the proudest moment for her, the whole World Cup was holding Nigeria. Now, I think that portrays a little bit of lack of aspiration on her side, um, but also I think to the um, attacking prowess that they have, you know, and I watched back the Ireland-Nigeria game last night and, you know, 
because we were playing a little bit more offensively and going after the game a bit more um, and Nigeria weren't, they were sitting back and, and, you know, they were kind of fine with the draw from almost the get-go. They still had a few guilt-edged chances that on any other day Oshwala would have taken, um, particularly even in the first like 15 minutes. So I do think that like England are going to have to be pretty defensively perfect um, to to get that to get through it unscathed, or else we're going to get a gold fest. Gold fest, and like I think it, it'll probably be one or one or the other. And you know, England have the ability to to be to be very strong defensively and, and from goalkeeper up. Um, so yeah, I, that's one of the ones I'm really interested in because I also think there'll be a great atmosphere and like around it as well that like Nigeria v England is kind of a it's a fun fixture as well so um that one I'm actually there's loads of the games I'm just really looking forward to I'm just annoyed that they're at 6 a.m some of them like so <laughs> <laughs> it's just like football for breakfast football for brunch like, uh, and then we move on to the GA but yeah um for me I I have you know if Molly for us like it's you never really want England to win the football but I've mm. always um really loved the lionesses and i for the euros in particular i thought it was really good for the game for england to actually go get to the final and win it um but now that you've done that i've kind of, i've gone back to my roots and just be like yeah no you're you're okay now like i can all i can like you all personally i love like following leanne williamson on instagram and seeing her style and i was so gutted that she's not there um but yeah i could probably do it nigeria win against you <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's fair enough. I think I think there's that there's a lot of those feelings around England. Um, yeah, yeah, from 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 around the world though. I'm sure they they because they won that that Euros. There's there's they they are becoming kind of the the, the ones to be uh, in a way that they haven't been before. Um, but yeah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> the Women's World Cup show here in Off the Ball is with thanks to Shore Non-Stop Protection Deodorant, official sponsor of the FIFA Women's World Cup. Molly, I'm going to spin it back around. Sinead is talking about England there. What was your assessment of Ireland at the tournament? Well, I'm 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 half Irish, so I'm I'm, I'm I was absolutely um, yeah backing them all the way, and I I I I loved that moment with the Katie McCabe goal the, from the corner. It's just kind of that that was it's what what they needed, I think, as a team. I think, like Sinead said at the beginning, like that their, their their group was just so hard. <laughs> it was I I know all the groups ended up being complicated in the end, but. Um, it's it's just one of those where, where where you wonder if they could have maybe got more out of this tournament at in a different group um, where they didn't have to face yeah Canada Australia obviously at home and then Nigeria who who like we've just been saying have been so solid so I I think that there was there were so many positives to take for for, for Ireland but I echo kind of what other people have said about you want them as a team and as 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 kind of an, kind of an organization to be kind of yeah to, to to be maybe more ambitious and kind of back back the the players that they've got because they they've got some really talented players who play at the top level week in week out week out so and if this tournament has proven anything it's that um yeah there, there's there's a lot more kind of hope for maybe the, the the teams that that go into tournaments maybe with lesser expectations on them I think the real symbol of that, Molly, was Denise O'Sullivan in the last fixture, whereby by her own omission in the first two games against Australia and against Canada, she was been asked to play in a slightly different role when she had that bit more freedom and was able to get on the ball more in positions where she can affect the game against Nigeria. By her own omission, she felt an awful lot more comfortable there. 
Yeah, it, it's a, I, I I listened to that and found that really interesting. And it's just a shame that it came, I guess, later in the group stages. And you just wish that she would have that would have kind of been worked out a bit earlier on, like going into the tournament. Uh, I guess that's a learning as well from 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 uh, yeah, tournament football and what 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 it is and 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 how kind of a national team have to come together and, and kind of gel and even even the kind of the the nations who are kind of um the favorites here obviously aren't always working that out we saw that with germany so um yeah i guess it's a it's, it's a learning thing that it's kind of thinking about maybe how you prepare in in, in a way where a player like O'Sullivan can can kind of go into a, a tournament and actually already have that confidence and already have that feel on the ball and in the position she wants to be in Sinead, when I hear the word learnings being used, it reminds me of the FAI statement about the review um, being sought almost directly before the team had even got back into Ireland at that point that announced there was going to be a review into the performances. You were there, you got to watch everything firsthand. On the face of it, what are the learnings from the tournament that the FAI can take away? Um, I think there's probably, like structurally, I think they, I think most of the players were happy with the preparation going into it. Uh, distractions aside in terms of the Columbia game and the Vera Pau stuff. Um, in like We have been embroiled in this, and I'm sure you've talked about it endlessly all week. We've been embroiled in this, how should Ireland play football in the men's side forever and ever. And so the same thing is happening now. Um, I think the main learning is that we have to, and this is kind of a more long-term learning, is we have to make sure that we're creating players and we're creating players in all positions like even though we had Denise and Katie playing higher up the field um we were still then also expecting them to score from their those positions like because we don't have a striker and we don't have a striker coming in through the books we're hoping Leanne Kiernan like will get over her injuries and we'll get fit and we'll get a good run um with her club but you know I think that's it that the player funnel has to continue to be really strong and that we we figure out a system to get young girls, you know, playing at a very high level as quickly as possible, and, you know, creating a homegrown league and then also being able to get them into really top flight clubs. As Molly was saying there, we do have people playing at the top level day in, day out, but not enough. We don't have enough of our starting 11 playing at, the, at that level. And I think that's where Vera Pau's lack of ambition comes from. Um, so I think whenever we do have like like our next qualification like starts like almost immediately it's less than eight weeks I think we are going to have to be incredibly like we have to just win all of those games in like we're in group B in the Nations League we have to win all those games so that has to be a learning that we have to go in thinking we're the winners of this group like we have to be that ambitious and I think the next time we're in a tournament Vera Pau did say it last night that she she if she is the manager will look to be more ambitious Um, but it's about executing that and to execute that we do need the players so even in the next two to four years we need to see new players coming on Um, that will strengthen that depth because for me the big thing with this World Cup was the absence of Aoife Mannion even though she only had a couple of caps with us her not being able to come and Megan Campbell not being able to come changed that depth perception because I think if they were there we would have seen Megan Conley pushed up and therefore we could have seen Denise O'Sullivan let loose a bit more and a bit earlier I think Vera still would have been very cautious against Australia in that opening game um, but I think we would have had a few more options available to us because um, I'm I'm a little bit on the fence in terms of that like I do see Vera's pragmatism as well like if you could see the weaknesses uh, against Nigeria 
um, because there was loose balls coming from the back when Nifahi and Louise Quinn had to be on the ball a bit more when, when Denise and, and Katie were pushed up. So I can see why she's that pragmatic because you don't want to go into these tournaments and lose 3-4-0. Um, but on the other side of that, you don't want to go into a tournament thinking, I oh, just want to avoid losing 3-4-0 and not go after it. So it's trying to get that balance. So for me, the next manager and what the FAI should be talking to Vera about is, are you that person? Are you that person that can now take that step? Okay, you were afraid of getting some bad beatings in a hard group. Can you now take the step towards actually having like higher ambitions for people like Katie McCabe and Diesel Sullivan? Because I think that's where the tensions have come from. Mm. The decision around Vera Powell, whether to offer a new contract or not, as you mentioned, I saw a poster on the way out of the office last night for the Aviva for the game against Northern Ireland, which is coming up. And it's only a couple of months away at this stage. So realistically, there's not a lot of time to actually make a decision on this. No, it's it's lit less than eight weeks. And we go into we're in a group with Northern Ireland, Albania and Hungary. So they're all rankings are kind of a cod now after this World Cup, but they are all lower ranked than us. So we should be going in um and and topping that group and getting a playoff that's a little bit easier than if we were second or third um so th- they're really important matches that Aviva match is really important for more reasons than just the result it's the first time that they've played in the Aviva you know Katie McCabe's head last night buy a ticket they're really hoping to have a big crowd if not a sellout crowd um so you know it if they're going in with an interim manager that's difficult but is it also difficult if they're going in with a manager that's lost the dressing room so it's a really i think it's actually really difficult for the FAI and i don't think there's a simple solution um and based on footballing alone and what's happened on the pitch i don't think there's a huge amount that you could say Vera Powd doesn't deserve a new contract but it all depends on yeah where sentiment within the FAI and how much they put onto that power player power stuff as well um, but I don't don't envy them over the next because they have to do it quickly. It has to be God in the next two, three weeks, max. Molly, we were all getting the body language experts from Big Brother ready for last night because we were wondering what the body language is going to be like between Katie McCabe and Vera Pau after Monday. And then Vera Pau, when she got on stage, did a bit of an Irish jig and seemed extremely happy to be home and seemed very comfortable in her position. I don't know if there's anything we can actually read into that because sometimes, you know, when a manager's on the way out, you can almost tell they know the tournament is the end point. But I think the feeling a lot of people got from last night with the homecoming is that Vera Pau very much wants to stay in charge of the Republic of Ireland for the next cycle. Yeah, I mean, I saw that video and, and thought, am I watching the the, the right manager here? Because <laughs> there's been so much kind of talk around her future um, I, I don't know how much you can read into it. Um, it was it was an interesting moment to say the least. And um, and I guess with these things, you off you've got to wonder how much player power there will be in in the way the decision goes. Because if you've lost a player like Katie McCabe, who's who's yeah the heart of this team, um, it, it's an interesting decision for the FAI to make. FAI to make because it, it just it. it it, 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 yeah, McCabe is it's too important to this team to to kind of not have her on side. Um, I think yeah, if if they're listening to the players, then I I think Powell's days might be numbered. But um, but yeah, the 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 little dance she did on stage um suggests she's she's not thinking about that just yet. So I wonder how much time they will take to make that decision. Yeah, there. Yeah, there is a. I think there is a pathway. Like when I was standing watching her last night, and and before last night, I thought there's no way that she can keep going with this team because it was just too messy at the end. But I think seeing last night and now see, thinking that that's the last time we'll see them all together, 
Like, I think she had to put on a show and I think she did. But I think it also allows the FAI a bit of a pathway back to getting everyone in a room and going, OK, like what's everyone's thoughts for the next two years? And I, I can see a path that she stays on. I'm I'm not sure if that's likely. Um, But last night made me think that that is more possible than before the homecoming. Um, so it probably was a job well done by Vera, like if that's what she was intending to do, because it did shift the narrative slightly, even though it wasn't her and Katie together or she didn't spend a huge amount of time with the players. And like you said, I'd love to have player cams on all of them. But like, yeah, it's um, I think there, it, it does leave it a little bit more open than it was previously. We'll yeah, you wonder if that you wonder sorry you wonder if that flight home maybe it was a long flight so they could have sorted out all their, all their issues and, in and honestly, 24 probably, hours <laughs> they probably aren't used to these things being so overblown like because Katie had said before that they do have you know fights and that they do argue about things so because she had done it very publicly at World Cup, she had probably forgotten in some ways because she's in the heat of the moment that like her remonstrations inside a pitch would be asked about afterwards in a packed room full of journalists. Um, and then, you know, the tweet was obviously in the heat of the moment as well, like straight away. So, you know, probably some of the attention that this has brought is is all new to the, to these players. Like, so, um, yeah, maybe what could have been innocuous enough and just like fixed over at the next training session now has become a national conversation about the manager's job, which maybe maybe was the intention. Katie McCabe is smart, maybe wasn't. So, um, yeah, it's 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 at least we're all still talking about uh, women's football. So. Indeed. Watch this space. Many thanks. Molly, Sinead, thanks again. Thanks, Mel. Thanks. Thanks for having me. The Women's World Cup Show on Off The Ball with Sure Non-Stop Protection Deodorant, official sponsor of the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023.